0: If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter six. We're gonna start off verses nine through 12, reading the Lord's Prayer, you know this already, Matthew chapter six. Pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Let's say this together. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I hear you. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And this is the part of the passage where we pump the brakes today, pull off to the side of the road and say, this is the scenic overlook that we're going to be looking at today. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. The question that came to mind for me this week is, what is the nature of forgiveness? If forgiving others and us receiving forgiveness is connected, what's the nature of it? And, and then what's the connection to prayer? Because it's embedded in the middle of the prayer. Well, it's awesome because scripture helps answer scripture, right? If you're wondering what scripture has to say, you find other places in scripture that'll corroborate what scripture is getting at. And there's this guy by the name of Peter. I don't know if you've heard of him before who's in the Bible, who uh, doesn't have a filter. He speaks before he thinks, right? And thanks to Peter, we get some incredible insights into the gospel because he's willing to say the thing that we may be reluctant to say. So turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 18. That's the bulk of where we're going to be today. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21. Matthew 18, 21. Told you I'm going to hit it with you quick today. Then Peter came to him, that's to Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? And Peter hedges a modest... Wager, right? He's seven times? Should we forgive seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. You know the verse, there's a popular Christian song about it too, seven times, 70 times. That's what it does to make it right, right? The, when Peter asked the question, How often should we forgive? This is a little bit of sarcasm on Jesus' part. In a way, what Jesus responds when Peter asks, How many times should we forgive? Jesus says, Yes. You get That's how many times we should forgive. Yes. Over and over and over again. Jesus is using hyperbolic language. And what we realize, even from the very first question of this passage, is that forgiveness is an assumed reality in the kingdom of God. That what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the same way that we've been treating prayer, that prayer is integral to the life of the follower of Jesus, forgiveness is on the same level. Forgiveness is an assumed reality in the kingdom of God. And we experience that regularly as we realize our great need and come to God and say, Father, would you forgive us? Jesus goes on to tell a story to illustrate forgiveness to his disciples. Matthew 18, verses 23 through 27. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars to pay the debt. To make up for inflation today, maybe it's billions of dollars, I don't know. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, everything he owed to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged, please be patient with me and I will pay it. Let that line sink into your head. Then his master was filled with pity on him and he released him and forgave his debt. We don't know how this servant gets into the place where he has an unpayable debt. A a debt of millions or billions of dollars is an unpayable debt. You might figure out a way to do it, but likely not. And the king's like, I'm done with this. It's on the record. I want to get it off. And so I'm selling you, I'm selling your wife, your kids, everything you own so that your debt will be paid. He says, hold on, hold on, hold on. Would you just be patient with me a little longer and I will repay it? And the king says, fine. I absolve you of of all your debt. I'm releasing you of your debt and forgiving you. The man receives forgiveness because he realizes that he is in great need, that there's nothing else that he can do but to call on the good graces of the king and say, please, would you, please, (laughs) please? Forgiveness begins with recognizing our need for grace. Grace that we are in a position in a place that I am in need something, of something beyond what I can do. We cannot forgive ourselves. We cannot take care of the debt of sin that we must pay. God, would you forgive us? Remember a couple years ago, we're moving to this community, first-time homeowners, and all of the joys and all the pains that goes with being a first-time homeowner. Some of you guys uh, understand that. And Uh, We we move into our house and we're, we're excited. And one of those rainstorms pops up that Texas is notorious for about every three or four years. Not the one that blows in in the afternoon and by evening, it's just this wonderful, beautiful place. The one where it rains and it rains and it rains and it rains for day after day after day. And our infrastructure is not equipped to carry that much rain. And it was one of those occasions we'd been in our home for just a couple of months and it rained 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 and it rained. And And I wake up one morning as the rain's beating down on our house and I go to one area of the house and I realize that in that area there is water where water is not supposed to be on the inside. Oh great, what am I going to do now? And I began thinking through my options. Okay, I can get a broom and I can like brush it over in this direction or take buckets and try to get it out. And it kept raining and I kept trying to remove the water. It started with towels, get everything cleaned up and then water would come more. Okay, let's brush it over this way and move that. Water would come more. And it's stressful and it's agonizing and adrenaline is running and I don't want this water to get into our house. And it gets to the point where I've exhausted all of my resources. I've got nothing else to throw at this thing. And I figure it's probably time to call my dad, right? Dads bail you out of many situations. And so I call my dad, you know, with that kind of like nervousness in my voice that there's something going on. It's like, dad, I need your help. What's going on, son? Well, water, can't do anything about it. And he says, hold on, I'm going to grab this, this, and this, and I'm going to be over there and we're going to fix this. And he showed up and worked on it. It was only at the place where I realized my need, that I had done everything that I could possibly do, that I need something beyond myself, was the place where I was in a position that I could receive help. Because we often have this idea that I want to do it on my own, and I'm just going to grit and bear through life whatever I have to handle and do it on my own. When we recognize our need for grace, that we're, that's where God has the ability to work in our lives. Back to to Matthew chapter six, verse 12 for a moment. Forgive us our sins. When we recognize our great need, that's where forgiveness begins. But notice, Jesus does not stop with forgive us our sins. He adds, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And in case we miss it, He reiterates it and says it a different way. Twice again, Matthew chapter six, verses 14 and 15, right after the Lord's prayer. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. (sighs) That's the kind of bedtime reading that you wanna have tonight, right? The wrath of God kind of sitting in the background of like, ah, I need to forgive somebody so I can be forgiven. Carson in the Expositors Bible Commentary, page 175, puts it this way. The repetition that we just read serves to stress the deep importance for the community of disciples to be a forgiving community if its prayers are to be effective. In other words, you cannot pray, Father, forgive me or forgive us without extending forgiveness to someone else. Matthew chapter 18, again, the story continues, verse 28. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And he forgave him his debt and absolved him of all responsibility. Is that what it said? No, let's go back one. We jumped ahead. There there we we go. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant repayment. It's got him up against the wall. Give me my money. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. And notice what he says. The exact same words. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. And when the roles are reversed, he had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who had forgiven him and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? (sighs) Ah. We have to sit with that for a moment. to sit with that for a moment. That perhaps when the roles are reversed, we have the opportunity to extend forgiveness to someone else. Don't worry, he's really excited about the message today, okay? That's why, Edgar, it's good, man. Don't worry about it. He'll he'll come back around, I promise. I promise. When we do not forgive others, or when we've received forgiveness, and that forgiveness doesn't seep in and, and, share it to others, we find ourselves in a place that the very thing that we have desired, we're not willing to extend to somebody else. That we've tasted of the goodness of the grace and we're unwilling to share it with someone else. And notice what the punishment this man receives, verses 34 and 35. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid off his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. That's a hard passage. What this passage is saying, if you are unwilling to forgive others, your heavenly father is not willing to forgive you. Oh, hold up. I thought God was a forgiving and gracious God. He is. But his desire is that you would become a conduit to other people. You see, forgiveness experienced must be forgiveness shared. That when you receive forgiveness for it to transform your own heart, that then turns you to other people to extend forgiveness to others. Michael Green in the message of Matthew commentary puts it this way. For if we are open our hands to receive his gracious pardon, we cannot keep our fists tightly clenched against those who have wronged us. You cannot ask for the blessings of God when you raise your hands in resentment against someone else. You have no space to receive. As you open the hand to God and say, would you forgive? We're able to hold enough grace to cover ourselves and there's some that falls through the cracks that blesses others. Matthew 6, verse 12, once more. Forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. But Jesus, forgiveness is hard because there's people that have done some things to me that I've been put in a situation that I've not appreciated and I've been treated unfairly. That I've been abused or neglected or, or this or that. And you're asking something very high of me. Shouldn't forgiveness be for you and I'm just gonna let you take care of it and I'm gonna go on with my life. Notice the distinction in this passage of what Jesus is calling us to do. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. God forgives sin. We forgive people. Get that straight for a moment. That we are not responsible for the administration of the consequences of sin, nor are we responsible for cleaning up the mess that is sin. What we are responsible for is forgiving people. God's the one that cleans up the mess, We're the ones that walk through the mess with other people. When we hold resentment in our hearts, it's like eating poison and expecting someone else to die. You got a little mouse or rat in your house. You're like, ah, he's going to die, like a spoonful of poison, right? It doesn't work. But when we carry that resentment, when we come before God and say, would you please forgive us, but would your indignation fall upon this person because they've done this, 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 and this, and that. We are harboring something inside of us that will kill us from the inside. And by the way, this forgiveness is not excusing someone's actions. There are real consequences for real wrongs done in this world. We all face them day in and day out. What this does is it releases the person of the debt that they owe and it puts it into somebody else's corner. The relationship is not back where it needs to be. We need to to work on that, of course. But when we hold that debt, that anger, that resentment against somebody else, we're killing ourselves from the inside. Because true forgiveness brings transformation. Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, page 114. God's forgiveness is not merely a judicial act by which he sets us free from condemnation. It is not only forgiveness for sin, but reclaiming from sin. It is the outflow of redeeming love that transforms the heart. That's what forgiveness is. As we are forgiven, we in turn forgive others. And this concept of forgiveness is very near and dear to my heart and to my family's heart. Some of you may know of circumstance that happened in my wife Melissa's life. That in the early 2000s, she is a little eight, nine-year-old girl, went with her family to the beautiful island of Palau. And Palau's in the South Pacific. And if you were to put a pin on the map and say that's where Palau is, the entire pin would cover the entire island. Like you wouldn't, wouldn't be able to see it on the map. And they were supposed to be there for about seven years. And about a year and a half in, someone broke into their home in the middle of the night while they were sleeping, right before Christmas, took the lives of her father, her mother, and her brother, and then left her for dead on the side of the road. Talk about a wrong being done in someone's life. Not a week later, as the aftermath has unfolded and the person who's committed the murders has been caught and funeral arrangements are being made and family is coming from around the world, that at a national funeral, the state funeral, when all the program is done and the, the caskets are out in front of everybody and the whole entire island is, is, is grieving, that not in the program, Melissa's grandmother stands up. Some of you know Ruth, the Paiva, member of this community for a number of years. Stands up and walks to the podium and everybody's like, what in the world is she gonna say? This is gonna go south really quick. She stands up and she asks, is the mother of the murderer here? And if she is, I'd like her to come up. So they assist the mother up and Melissa's grandmother and the mother of the murderer are there beside each other. And Melissa's grandmother puts her arm around her. She says these words. She says, we are two mothers that are grieving lost sons. And I ask that you do not hold the actions of her son against her and her family. We forgive them and we forgive him. And in an honor-shame culture and society, this was like a bath of cold water for everyone, that everybody was up in arms and pouring shame onto this family. And that bath of cold water just, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Fast forward 15 years, Melissa and I are married now and we have the opportunity to go back to the island of Palau. And those of you that subscribe to the church newsletter, I shared a story yesterday of an experience there. Um, If you're not, that's your commercial to sign up for the newsletter. And partway through the week, someone comes to Melissa, one of the leaders in the community, and says, hey, uh, the murderer, his name is Justin. He's like, would you, would, would you like to see Justin? She's like, I, I, I don't know. I need, to, I need to think about that. And we talk and we gather the family that's around and the care providers that are with us is shepherding us through this. And we talk about what that might look like to go see the person. The last time that she saw him was at a lineup at the courthouse and saying, yep, that's the guy. That's the guy that did this to my family. Conclusion, we're going to meet him. So they set it up and we're, the last day that we're there, we're ushered from the church, which is ironically just across the street from the jail where he's serving three life sentences for taking the lives of her her family. We walk into this little room and a couple of plastic folding tables in front of us, chairs, Justin is there and a guard. And we begin to talk and members of the family and people that are with us, leaders of the community begin to talk and share. And Melissa didn't have anything planned. She didn't know if she wanted to speak. We're kind of going down the line and the the pastor that's shepherding us through this turns to Melissa and asks, would you like to say anything? She pauses for a moment, tears in her eyes and she articulates these words. We are no better than you, addressed to Justin. What? This guy's taken three members of your family, left you for dead, changed the trajectory of your life. And you're saying that we're no better than you. This guy's awful. Think about it for a moment, connected back to that story. The servant was vindictive towards the fellow servant, even though the debt was small, but he had been forgiven much. And what she articulated to him, she began to to paint this picture of one day, family is gonna be reunited. Jesus comes in the clouds and the concept of heaven. She says, I look forward to the day that I'll be back with my family and that you will be there too. You are forgiven. It takes an incredible amount of courage and an incredible amount of understanding our own need to be able to articulate those words in the face of someone who's done an incredible wrong. It's changed my life and it's changed hers. And here's the thing, the reason why we can forgive, Luke 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus himself, with the weight of the sin of the world, hanging on the cross, says, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. If Jesus can do it, that empowers us to do it as well. Richard Foster in his book on prayer puts it this way. We who follow Jesus Christ have been given the gracious ministry of bringing God's forgiveness to one another as we have experienced forgiveness, we hold short the gospel when we do not extend forgiveness to the people around us. God's gotta figure out the relational mess and you gotta rely on him on that. But when you hold bitterness and resentment against other people, what you're doing is holding back the witness of the gospel in their lives. That you might be able to speak the one that says, I know a God who forgives and he's forgiven me and I'm gonna forgive you. We're gonna figure out the details later. Because at the heart of God's character is forgiveness. Micah chapter seven, verses 18 through 21. One of my new favorite books of the Bible. Speaking of God, the prophet says, where is another God like you? who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people. You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. You will show us faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised to our ancestors, Abraham and Jacob long ago. That's the God we serve and the God who has extended forgiveness to us. May you leave today extending the ministry of forgiveness to the people around you. And may the gospel you receive as it transforms you, may it transform others as you forgive.